Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. And the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Every day on The Big Show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, what's going on? Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a little of what's going on when we check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. And, of course, the big topic, the Utah Jazz, their game last night against Phoenix, their game tonight against Portland. Man, that was a game against Phoenix, by the way. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, Gordon, both looked uh, completely out of gas at the end of overtime. I, uh, I wonder... Hopefully they were able to get enough rest uh, in the short time between games because they look spent. Did you see Donovan lie there on the floor there uh, yes. for a minute? I mean, he you, is there. Is there some Jake that Jazz trainers can do to uh, revamp the body for for this kind of turnaround? Is it? I mean, is there something you can do? Is there? I mean, an ice bath maybe. Uh, is there uh, some sort of rub down or some sort of medication or s- something you can drink? Well, I think there's this uh, complicated concoction, uh, but I believe the main ingredients are HGH and a little meth. <laughs> so, so that would just be just a little uh, meth, just a little bit to get the the pep back in the step. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. But the, the, HGH the meth keeps the is, HGH in check. Right. But the HGH is for the healing, and then the meth is for the the bounce back. Oh, okay. Well, I, I don't. That's what Lloyd tells us. That's <laughs> to be connected I, to that sort of thing. It, no, 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 Gordon. I, I don't think there's really anything you can do. I mean, I bet, I bet they they wake up. I bet they're a little sore. You know, uh, I'm sure that. Uh, well, here's the thing, and I talked to Tim about this last night. I hope that the the COVID testing didn't complicate things, which I'm sure it did. But they they probably had to come back this morning. So they got in around two or three in the morning and probably had to come in around 8 or 9 in the morning to get COVID tested. And then, I mean, they just got a bunch of stuff working against them. It, it's going to be it's gonna be hard. I don't think there is any way to magically, uh, you know, recoup what you lost in a, in a loss like last night from an energy standpoint. I mean, they just, I hate this cliche, but they left it all out there. And they're going to have to find a way to dig deep tonight. But, uh, you know, I don't know, Gordon, it's going to be tough. There's a reason that everybody's record sucks on the second night of a back-to-back because it's yeah. hard. Yeah, especially when you're playing this kind of competition now. Yep. I wonder if does cryotherapy help with that stuff? I don't know. Didn't you have a daughter that's into cryotherapy yeah. or, or yeah, something? Yeah, but I never, I never did it myself. But well, she um, probably told you about it. She did, but I can't remember whether because I mean, if you do it, you go into the chamber, you freeze, you know, whatever, and then you come out, and after like three or four minutes, something like that. And then I don't know whether that's good for the long run or if it's good for the short run. See and now, now, whatever you do, you have to be, you have to be back and ready to go tonight. See so. now, what you're telling me here is, is then when your daughter was was explaining this to you, you were having <laughs> Benny Hill reruns in your brain. 
<laughs> and then ended it with a, that's nice, honey. Well, I hate it when you nail me to the wall. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do it out of jest. That could have happened. You know, wah, 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 wah. Gordon's no, ranking the bills in his head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Gordon's oh, like Bill Shakespeare. Wait, wait. Eight is seven <laughs> is just way too low for that well, guy. Hold on here. Hold on. It's like I need uh, I need more breaking news. Oh man, guys, Billy Horschel now through twelve is five over Ugh. at the Masters. Well, Billy. Uh, <laughs> it's a Billy board. I know we're cheering for Bills today, and and I'm fine with doing that in the Masters, but five over, man. Billy's not coming back. <laughs> Billy's gone. You gotta call him William now. Yeah, he's no longer <laughs> worthy of the name Bill. That's a good point. All right. It's now Will Horschel. <laughs> well, the other guy was Will. Tough day, Will. Well, he was Bill. <laughs> no, oh, you have to be an All achiever right. to be a Bill. Like Bill Paxton, number one on our list. Top well, one hundred most famous Bills. No, it was Bill Pullman. It's not even Bill Paxton. Bill Pullman was like 21. That's, that's why I'm laughing, because everyone always confuses the two of them. I usually don't. Isn't it weird, though, that one was in uh, Kevin Costner's Wyatt Earp and one was in Tombstone? Yes, that's one of the reasons why they get mixed up all Which the time. Which was released at basically the same time for some reason. Way to go, Hollywood. <laughs> I think I, uh, as far as my bills go, I, I would prefer Bill Pullman. Which one? Uh, Paxton was the one in Big Love, right? Yeah, I like Paxton. I like he, Paxton, he was, too. He was in Titanic, too. Well, I just take or leave Titanic, but I liked Big Love. And Ooh. Pullman was in Independence Day, and I can't stand that movie. I don't understand your hatred for that. It's a, it's a bad movie. Except for the only good part about it is that it's, part of it was filmed at the Salt Flats, which I always found. Yes, like was. So instead of Will Smith's just horrid acting, I can say, hey, look, that's the Salt Flats. Which, uh, while we're messing around, making no no good time of ourselves here, that line when he's dragging the alien through the salt flats and he screams, uh, and what is that smell? Uh-huh. That's ad libbed, because oh. the sulfur from the was driving really? him crazy. Yeah, that is see that little tidbit right there is far more interesting than that entire movie. <laughs> I, I I've always said this that I it was more believable to me that aliens were invading and attacking the Earth than it was that uh, Jeff Goldblum could jump inside an alien aircraft and fly it. Now, if you want a realistic alien movie, Gordon, get your peepers on Mars Attacks, because now there there is a fine, realistic alien movie. I love that movie. All right, should we get to what's going on? Here we are. Austin, we're here. I, I see. Hello. All right, this is, we're going to go back-to-back with the shows. We're going to start off with DJ and PK. We're going to move on to Hans and Scotty, and they're going to uh, break down last night's Phoenix game uh, for us very thoroughly. Let's get to it. All right, time now for the question of the day. Hell of a game, but another loss. And the lead in the loss column is down to one. How you feeling about the ball club? PK, I think people are a little queasy right now. A little worried. Okay. The back-to-back losses, and obviously going into a game now with, uh, you know, you played overtime on the road, and you're going back-to-back against a rest of team that's pretty good. DeGiro says, we lost two statement games in a row, and that tells you everything. Statement games, huh? Statement games. 
Jason says the Jazz are a good team, but not a serious contender. Gotten a great wow. record beating bad and injured teams, and when it comes down to in the playoffs, the big boys are going to leave the Jazz at the little kids' table. Shane says, well, as Pat Riley once said, no rebounds, no rings. The Jazz have got to find a way to win a rebounding war with this team and not give them so many extra chances. That and hitting more threes than they did. Okay, I can buy that. Daniel says, we beat the crappy teams, no problem. The good teams, not so much. Hector is a little smaller picture. He's not going big picture. Hector says, this sucks. When the threes don't drop, this is the outcome. Fun game, but it didn't feel like the Jazz ever had this one. They were chasing the game most of the way. Early fourth quarter, I thought they had a couple chances to pull away there, and it didn't happen. Oh, they're up by five, and then Mitchell Mm -hmm. missed a three. Yep. And then when the other team comes back and scores, the announcers will tell you the obligatory, that's a five-point swing or six-point swing if the other guy hits a three. You can set your watch by that. That's going to happen. Randy says the Jazz lack toughness. Sick of watching Rudy cry to refs after every player fall to the ground every time he gets bumped. Teams that get physical with the Jazz beat the Jazz. Well, there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. But – well, his whining, yeah. There was one play in overtime uh, where he got hit on the head, mm-hmm. and then the, uh, Aiton beat him down, and somebody, O'Neal or somebody, was forced to foul O'Neal or uh, Aiton, and fortunately was on the floor, and they weren't in the penalty. But uh, Aiton got down the floor because Rudy was complaining about being hit in the head. So, yeah. The thing about the Suns, though, they're last in free throws, so they're not exactly the most physical team either. I mean, Crowder's added some toughness. But one of the things uh, that I want to hear a lot if I'm playing the, the Suns is Jay Crowder for three. Now, he did hit that big three in overtime. you got to give him credit for that. So, uh, But he's added the toughness. But they're, they're pretty much a finesse ball club. But they did get into the Jazz in the first half and take them out of the offense. I thought they, they got up into them. And, I mean, a 40, when you hold a team to 40 points and a half, any team, that's impressive, especially a team that's as good offensively as the Jazz. I just think that's the Jazz missing shots. But I thought that they changed the way they played in the third quarter. It was much more attack, get all the way to the rim. And because Phoenix was overplaying them, uh, they were able to do that. They ran some back doors late in the game. It was one to Conley when Phoenix was anticipating a three overplaying everything. That was easy. You know, the pressure can be beaten, but when teams get physical they with them. They chose not to do it. I know. So, so I don't think that was the Suns. I think that was the Jazz. Jazz need to get another power for it. A guy to go down low for just these kind of games, like a Danley or Malone, Brian says. They got beat on the boards, but you keep with it and move on to the next game. So what you're telling me is they need another Hall of Famer? Okay, I'll sign on. <laughs> sign on to Hall of Famers. Change the way you play. You got a Hall of Famer. Adapt to their skill set. Except this is the way they they got this. You know, the, you you dance with who brung you, and this mm-hmm. is the way they play. Now in these games, when the threes aren't uh, falling, you're expecting them to just radically change it. Now Bogdanovich has changed his game. Yeah, to me, the three is nice when it's going in, but just to watch them, I'm not about. Uh, field goals attempted or threes attempted. I'm about threes made. And if threes aren't being made, stop shooting them. Do I want to see Royce O'Neal shoot another three anytime soon? Not really, man. He's over his last 10. 
I thought that this shooting performance against the Suns was a lot different than the one with the Mavericks. With the Mavericks, they ran their offense. They got the shots they wanted. They were open. Guys' feet were set and all that stuff, and they didn't go in. This one, I thought they, I thought they were shooting contested threes. I thought they were struggling for open shots, and they were forcing them late in the shot clock. And I didn't really think when they shot them that they were going in for the most part. Well, as Ron Boone would say, for the most part, they didn't go in. All right, there you go, DJ and PK. Uh, their segment on the Jazz today. We'll get to Hanson Scotty coming up here uh, just uh, in one moment. What did you think about what those two had to say, Gordo? Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I I concur with what they were talking about. I like what PK said. He's not about the number of three-pointers that are shot. The Jazz are averaging 43. He's about the ones that are made. And that was an interesting point that DJ brought up about how it, he the feeling he got in watching those two games, and in in both of them, the Jazz made like 25, 26 percent of their three pointers against the Mavs. He thought that they were pretty decent shots. He thought it was more of a scramble against the Suns. And we, we were talking earlier: is it a matter of the Jazz missing shots, or is it a matter matter of the Jazz preparing properly with proper spacing to create the shots that they're comfortable with? Well, I guess it might be, uh, depending on the uh, specific circumstance, a little of both at different times. Well, I that what DJ said right there jumped out to me too, Gordon, and I I almost entirely agree with him, with the exception of the Jazz played differently in the third quarter last night and in the second half, really overall, that did free up some of those looks because they started going to the hoop more. Donovan talked about it in the post game. They were more aggressive in breaking the paint and kind of starting the blender, so to speak. And when that happened, things around the perimeter loosened up. I thought it was a pretty uh, savvy adjustment on the Jazz part in the second half because not only do you get more layups and those sorts of things going to the hoop, but you know, in theory you get more open threes as well, which I, I do think happened. Now, again, they didn't go go down at the rate <laughs> yes. that Jazz fans wanted to see. But the, in, in that part, I, I definitely that – I'm being nitpicky here with DJ's point. But I, I did want to point out the adjustment that they made in the second half. I mean, Gordon, they scored 40 points total in the first half. They scored 38 in the third quarter. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, they made a really nice adjustment in the third quarter. And then Phoenix adjusted in the fourth. And it – you know, the Jazz really never caught fire, and the rest is history. But, I mean, I think it is worth pointing out that they did adjust to what Phoenix was doing quite well and uh, erased an 11-point halftime deficit and had a one-point lead going into the fourth quarter. So so, so in that in that case, then uh, both of those statements were true in last night's game, depending upon which quarter you were looking at, <laughs> because they did create them, and then they— Right, I, and I don't even know, honestly, Gordon, if the threes, we'd have to go back uh, and look at it, the threes went down at a higher rate in the third quarter because it didn't really feel that way, honestly, to me. And, again, we can go back and look at that. Maybe I'm, well, they, they uh, never but really it, it, went in the, much. I mean. The point is they generated offense. And and I know we're talking about the three-point shot here, but, I mean, Bogdanovich got a bunch of layups in the third quarter. Donovan Mitchell got a bunch of layups in the third quarter. Uh, Rudy didn't miss a shot all night. I mean, when they started to, instead of dance around on the perimeter, decided to get focused on making the Suns adjust and making them pay for their pressure defense a little bit, it was quite effective. Yeah. The other thing that uh, I thought PK said that was uh... – do I want to see Royce O'Neal jack up another three? 0 for 10. 
Okay, the answer to that is yes, or they've got to cut him. Interesting. Well, he's he got to he's got to be willing to take shots, and honestly, he's done it over a long enough period of time now where he should be in the high thirties shooting threes. But is this a case of him earlier in the year? Wasn't he shooting like forty four percent from three, and now now the uh, the basketball gods are uh, getting even? I don't believe in the basketball gods, but, but you evening know what I'm out, evening, yes, the, the percentage is even now. They they do, and where do they even out to? I don't think this is this is Royce, and this brings me back to my point I was trying to make in the two o'clock hour that you still have to have the confidence. Like that that shot we were talking about with 40 seconds to go, where Royce mm-hmm. passed up the open three. Say right. what you will about Jay Crowder, that dude was taking that shot. Yeah. And Royce needs to be willing to take that shot and have the confidence to make it, which he's done this year. So I well, that's, interesting that, that's why that. it's more concerning to me because he needs to have the confidence to take it. Even when it, he's 0 for 10, he needs to block out the PKs of the world and have the confidence that he's going to take and make that shot. That is interesting that you bring that up because Jay Crowder was 2 of 9, but he hit that big shot down the stretch. And he hit so many big shots for the Heat last year in the playoffs. I mean, a yeah. bunch of them. And, you know, Jay could go, oh, man, I'm, a, I'm 0 for 7 and only a 33% three-point shooter, which he was when he was with the Jazz. He's higher now. But he was taking it. And, and Jay was – I picked Jay because he was confident to a fault, right? I mean, he was – he really had the confidence that he could take and make those shots. And it frustrated Jazz fans. But at the same thing – or at the same time, in Quinn Snyder's offense, it's a real positive. You have to be willing to shoot when, the, when you're open. And every player to a tee – has talked about how empowered they feel from the coach. There's a reason for that, because he needs them to shoot those shots. Well, I'll say this, that Royce O'Neal is going to be left open a lot. And he needs to shoot it. He does. Yeah. And I know he went 0-8 uh, against Dallas because they didn't guard him at all that whole game. He still needs to shoot it, because when he makes it, the other team has to adjust. And if you're – I'm not saying you. I'm saying you in general here, Gordon. If, if your opinion is that he cannot make those shots – then he cannot play. They have to find somebody who's at least willing to shoot it. They have to. And well, I think is, he's the guy. Was, I think was, he's the guy to do it. He's got to get that confidence back. This was Quinn Snyder's desire all along, to get uh, shooters all around the floor. Yep. And, if, yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, do I want to see Royce O'Neal miss another three-pointer? Not really. But it's worse if he doesn't take it's them. It's worse if he doesn't take them, 100%. That jams everything up. At least if he takes it and misses it, maybe Rudy could get an offensive board. And that's a big part of the spacing that you were talking about that Quinn Snyder was talking about. They don't have to guard Royce O'Neal. That messes with every uh, everybody else's spacing because there's but, a but, shooter but, you don't have to hug. But if he makes a couple, they have to adjust because he's <laughs> not he's not Rudy taking and making a couple. He's Royce, who at one point this year was shooting 44%, but still, where is he now? I haven't looked at it recently. Still in the high 30s. Yeah. So you've at least got to pay attention to that guy. But if he's, you know, if you're getting away with not guarding him, you're going to continue to do it. But here's the thing, Gordon. They did that. Houston did that to Andre Karolinko in the playoff. The first time they met T-Mac in the playoffs. Remember, it went to a game seven and they Uh didn't guard Andre Karolinko the entire series. Yeah. They left him open the entire series. Do you know? You remember that ridiculously stupid fade out of bounds three point shot that AK hit to win the series? He had to have the guts to take that shot. 
They left him open the whole series. And he had to have the guts to take and make that shot for the Jazz to win. And as much as the game has evolved toward a three-point shot, this has always been true. I mean, for the Jazz, all you got to do is say David Benoit. Benoit for three. Remember he missed those three big shots because he was left open. Yep. And it's same thing with Brian Russell back in the day. I mean, he was the guy that had to hit the shots because he was the one that was being left open. Carl Malone said that before the playoffs began, and that put a lot of pressure on Brian, but it was true. And he had to take and, it. And it certainly was true with Ricky Rubio and with Drake, Jay Crowder. Yep. And so now now it's true with Royce O'Neal. Uh, real quick, Austin hammered out the, the three-point numbers, and I actually think this is really telling. Um, so by quarter, here you go. The Jazz in the first quarter, 3 of 13. Second quarter, 0 for 8. Third quarter, 4 for 7. Uh-huh. Now a lot better, which plays into the, the going to the basket, opened up things on the perimeter. But notice a lot fewer. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, let's see here, 4 for 12 in the fourth and 0 for 4 in overtime. Which, so, in overtime, I mean, they could barely get it to the rim. So what do you draw from that conclusion? Do you think early on the Jazz were just jacking up shots? Is, it, is there a time when, uh, with, when the Jordan Clarkson philosophy can fail because they're just flinging shots up? That's, when I think of aggressive basketball, I don't think of, hey, man, just shoot it, regardless of the situation. That's that's not the kind of aggression that Quinn wants. He wants guys to create the kind of spacing that you were talking about that you saw in the fourth, in the third quarter. Well, I think the game was so physical at the beginning, I think they got caught up in not wanting to be like Donovan, for example, and I'll pick on Donovan because he had a good game. But in the first half, a couple of times, he would get going to the basket, Gordon, and pull up for that mid-range jumper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead of pushing it all the way to the hoop, to soften up the defense to either get the blender going or get a layup for himself. In the third quarter, instead of pulling up for that mid-range shot, he was going all the way to the rim. Well, when Royce O'Neal goes 0 for 2, Bogdanovich goes 1 for 8, Conley goes 1 for 7, and even uh, Mitchell goes 4 of 12, not exactly efficient. Niang goes 1 of 4, and Clarkson 3 of 9. And Joe Ingles is kind of, well, he's not really shooting much. One of two, you're not going to win those games. That's just the way it is. They, whatever it takes to get a higher percentage, more efficiency from those kinds of shots, it's got to, it, the Jazz have to find a way to get those shots that they're looking for, that they're comfortable with. And then, like we said, you got to knock them down, baby. And if you don't, you're going to get an L. Man, I'm trying. I, to think- I know you don't like that kind of categorical thinking, and obviously there are nuances to the whole thing. But still, uh, the end result that has to happen, or else the Jazz are really at a disadvantage. Gordon, I, w- I would argue with you, uh, but honestly, I tuned out there just for a second, and I've got a good excuse though. I'm sure what you said was was right on the money. I'm trying to figure out who this golfer is. There is a golfer that had an eagle putt at the Masters, Gordon, and put it right into the water. Well, those greens are fast. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> Who is this? Put it right into the water. I don't think was I've that, ever. I don't think I've ever seen that. Was that the green that's uh, coated in linoleum? Uh, I doubt it, but maybe. But I'd say I'd say I should show this to to Austin. He probably the, has the golfer is Bernard Weisberger. Bernie Weisberger. He had probably a 30 foot <laughs> eagle putt. You know, probably feeling good for about himself on in two. You know, probably feeling stoked. <laughs> And no kidding, puts it past the hole, off to the right, and it just keeps rolling and goes right into the drink. 
Yeah, looks- I don't think in my illustrious golfing career, I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think know? I've ever done that. And I I've hit a lot. Around. I've hit a lot of balls into the water, man. And you know <laughs> what? I've, I've missed a lot of putts that have gone off the green. You know, when you're counting your putts afterwards and you're like, well, there was one and then I had a chip and then there was two and three. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I've, I've done that a, a few times, but never have I rolled it into the water on a putt. I have. Well, I, have so you really? You honestly have? That, that if we were playing that green, if we were putting on that green, guess who would be knocking it into the water? Oh, probably you us. And me. I'm not claiming yeah. I'm better than Bernie here. I'm just telling you, I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. And he Rolling, had a good round going. Like, I've, I've seen it where they play it into, like you see this in Sawgrass, when they play it into the island green on a par three sure. and they spin it back into the water. Like, I've seen that a zillion times. But have you seen anybody hit a putt that ended up in the water? It's no, rare to have a green ever, that has... I don't think I've ever witnessed that ever in my... Not just from me, but from anybody I've ever played Can you with. imagine how maddening that'd be? Like, you hit your putt for eagle only to take a penalty stroke and go to the drop area to chip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for you're eagle. Like, you're eagle. You're like, yeah, right and I. At least when I did it, it was shot 19, <laughs> you know? Seconds later. Like, what would that be? You're, uh, so if, you're, if that's three, you're putt for three, in the water four, out five... <laughs> You're hitting six? Yep. You go from putting from eagle for eagle to hitting six. wonder what he finished. I think, you know, the next thing that we go into the water is my putter. <laughs> he was credited with a four putt, they said. Is that how they score Apparently it? the penalty counts as a putt. He had an eagle putt, ended up with a bogey, so he was credited with a four putt wow. bogey. Oh, well, that's, uh, he could have done worse. That's uh, so. Not anyway, Gordon, I, I apologize. Uh, that just caught my eye, and I've never seen that before. So forgive me. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, should we get okay. to uh, our Hanson Scotty clip coming up next? We yes. kind of got a little windy there. Mm-hmm. We got a little, uh, as we're off to do. All right, we'll get to that coming up next. Stay tuned. It's the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Jerry Signer. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Signer Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. At Jerry Signer Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. You know, I could see myself in a Cadillac. Rolling my, around in, in luxury, I could handle that. My next door neighbor works for Jerry Signer. Really? And they've got a couple Cadillacs and they're fine machines. I'll tell you that here's here's the difference between Gordon and I. Gordon, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but this is this is different. If if I had my choice of automobile, I would side on the luxury side. I think you go for the the Formula One side. Why luxury? Why is that so important to you? I like to be comfortable. I'm a man of comfort. <laughs> The man owns UGG slippers. I drive. I drive the speed limit, man. <laughs> Give me where to, where I need to go and and luxury. You always drive the speed limit. You never go up over it at all. I don't know about never say never, but I'd say yeah. I pretty much keep it. Like under when sp- you're on an open stretch of freeway, from here to wherever you're going, 
you stay right you you drive right on the speed limit huh? yes and we have other things to do i could explain this logic to you if you really want but i'd say the only time i really speed is if i'm having to step on it to politely pass somebody and not like roadblock it you know what i mean not take my time uh, but if you do the math on it, Gordon, you don't get to where you're going really any faster if you speed. Unless you're driving across the country, it doesn't really matter. Well, do the math. That's if what you're I'm driving, saying. If you're, if you're driving to, say, L.A. Yes, I know. said driving across the country, yeah. But, I mean, if you're driving from here to Sandy, you're buying yourself, like, 25 seconds. Well, not necessarily. It could be yes, a necessarily. More than that. Do the math. No, well, it can't. It depends, it, it depends on how late you are. No, it you doesn't. How, it, <laughs> no, well, it doesn't no, at it, all. No, it doesn't change the speed. I, I, or but it depends. It doesn't it's the change physics. Yes, I know. It's the motivation of getting there. If you're, if you don't want to be late and you're running three minutes behind, you're, you're. If you're, if you do that, are you just going to stay uh, to the speed limit a little bit? Look, I know speeding uh, irresponsibly is is dangerous, so don't do it. But I mean, when you're on that open road, it's uh, you, want, you know. Can I tell you let, how? Let it sneak up just a little bit, Jake. I bet you people behind you get mad at you all the time. No, I'm always in the right lane. People never get mad at me because I'm always making it easy for them to pass, all that sort of stuff. I'm very polite. But can I tell you how many Gordon Monsons I've seen zoom by me at 105 miles an hour? I don't only, do that. Only, don't, even, don't go there. I don't do that. Only to run into them waiting at the stoplight at the exit that I'm getting off of. Can I tell you how many times that that's happened? Yeah, I guess you could. How many? <laughs> Dozens. Dozens. <laughs> I see these these cars just right by me, and I think, boy, they must be in a hurry to get somewhere. And then, honestly, a minute later, I see them waiting in line at the stoplight. Yeah, I, I don't make a habit of speeding around town. I, it's, that's too dangerous. There are too many things that could go wrong. Should we get a taste of Hanson, Scotty? Here, should we get a little bit? All right, let's let's hear what they had to say about the Jazz. There were two things that I took away from this this game that I am a little bit disturbed with. Number one, I'm disturbed with the fact that the Utah Jazz were out-hustled for 50-50 balls and their own defensive rebounds, allowing the Phoenix Suns to get way too many second-chance opportunities, and sometimes in the same possession, two or three opportunities in the same possession. I didn't like the fact that the Jazz were out-hustled and out-rebounded 61-45. to That bugged me. The only other thing that really bugged me watching this game, was watching Boyan Bogdanovich double-clutch the three. When the game was on the line and things were, the, the momentum was shifting and the Jazz needed a big shot, it, the, the ball rotates out like it should in the blender. It rotates out. It finds Boyan in stride, perfect pass, on target. He brings it chest high. He cocks to shoot. He double-clutches, and then he tries to fire the shot. Boyan, watching Boyan Bogdanovich do this to himself is difficult for me to watch. He is too good of a player. He is too good of a shooter. He is, he, he is everything that the Jazz needed him to be when they originally brought him to this organization to watch him double clutch when the game's on the line. Can't happen. If you're going to be in that starting five and you're going to be in the closing minutes of a game that's on the line in a playoff-like setting, 
you can't double clutch that and second guess yourself and then hoist it and miss it. It's just those two things. Those two things had me frustrated. Outside of that, I thought the Jazz played really well. They fought their butts off. Well, uh, let's start with the rebounding thing, and I think this is um, I think it, there's a bit of a bigger issue. Uh, I love the way that Phoenix schemed against the Utah Jazz. Uh, the high pick and roll got Rudy out of the paint uh, and allowed um, and allowed, especially down the stretch, the Suns to get some great mid-range opportunities that either Devin Booker or Chris Paul were hitting time and time again. And Chris Paul is one of the best in the NBA at that yeah. that mid-range. Now, now there's a lot of people out there that uh, said, why you know why are the Jazz allowing that to happen? Well, that's actually. You know, if you look at the numbers, and I thought Andy Larson did a good job with this, uh, tweeting out, because there were a lot of people like, why are they allowing that mid-range jumper? Well, because that's the shot that you actually want them to take more often than not. Um, you know, they Phoenix was much more efficient at the rim and much more efficient at three, the three than they were the mid-range. But just because we saw a few shots late that Chris Paul hit made you think, okay, well, that's why they lost the game. Uh, you are spot on on the rebounding, but I do think that what Phoenix did was get Rudy out of the paint to the point where they could use their size advantage with Rudy out of the paint to get offensive rebounds. Uh, they got, I think, off, uh, nearly 31 32% of available shots uh, were are available offensive rebounds. They were able to collect on multiple possessions and multiple offensive rebounds on multiple possessions. And when you have, you know, Joe Ingles or Donovan Mitchell or Royce O'Neal in the paint trying to rebound against uh, Ayton, Aiton's going to win that battle more often than not because Rudy's out of the paint because of the high pick and roll. So I thought it was a really interesting schematic issue that Phoenix was able to do to really pull Rudy out of the paint and allow opportunities for second chance opportunities. Uh, that was that was to me the biggest issue in the game. And then the Jazz. The one other thing too that I'm really concerned about, and this is, uh, and I thought I, I I don't know if it was DJ or PK who brought this up. But I'm not calling it a weakness, but right now a vulnerability of the Jazz, and it's something that we've seen over the last uh, couple weeks. They're allowing way too many opportunities for teams in transition. And I don't know what they've got to do if they've got to pull people back instead of crashing offensive rebounds, Uh, but how many opportunities did we see Devin Booker get at the rim in transition time and time and time again, whether it was a turnover or whether it was just a long rebound that was taken in stride, Whatever the case is, the Jazz have to be better in transition defense. Yeah, no doubt about that. Better transition defense and offense for sure. That's where the the Jazz have made up made a lot of hay this year. Let me put it that way. Yeah, and uh, Quinn's been chirping at him about uh, the bad transition defense. So uh, that, that is something they definitely need to correct. But they also need to do what's necessary to hit those three point shots, man. I did not. I disagree with Hans from this standpoint. He said he thought the Jazz played really, really well. I didn't think they played well. Well, in one aspect, you don't think they played well. I thought there were other things that they did really well. Well, I'm not saying they did everything wrong, but I I can't watch that game and think you know these Jazz they really played well in this game. I I, I just I'm not seeing it. Well, you I know, just they think played that... hard. They didn't give up. Well, I, they, I think know, this team is about it, more than threes, though. We've had, this, we've had this conversation a bunch. I think that this team is defined by more than three-point buckets made. Well, obviously, it's more than just that, but that's a big part of what they have to do as they've been constructed to do it. So, 
Anyway, so they, they, they get another loss, and uh, th- that Western Conference standing, that race is really going to get tight. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Jazz lose again tonight. I don't know that, uh, but uh, uh, they've got to start doing whatever's necessary to shoot the ball better. And um, when I say that, I, I don't think that, okay, if you do that, then you don't have to do anything else. But that's certainly something that they have to combo pack with everything else that they that is required, such as good transition defense. We've got a market update coming up next. Sam Amick at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Matt Harpering at 5. Stay tuned. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. show little bill joel bill joel this uh, segment brought to you by sns roofing their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now where you can save thousands on a new roof called pound 250 and say sns roofing for your free bid time to get to a market update brought to you by our friends at try day trading now anyone can be a day trader visit trydaytrading.com how did the markets do today gordon well, Jake, the S&P was up uh, 17 points. Everything is awesome. NASDAQ was up 140 points. Yeah! And the Dow was up over 57 points. You are outstanding broadcasters. I mean it. Night in and night out. You guys get it done. What a great movie. The sequel, not so much. No, no, but that movie, that movie was quite good. So good day today. Good day. Well, there you go. You know, Jake, I think I've had my fill of bills. How so? During the break, I looked up famous bills. And first of all, I didn't, I hadn't heard of like three fourths of them, but uh, I'm, I'm all billed out, I think. Were you just mad at the list you found too? (laughs) <laughs> I did see that list, and it is completely preposterous. Who Who is number one in your mind? And then we'll move on. Well, it's got to be William Shakespeare. Bill yeah. Shakespeare. Yeah. Billy Bob definitely. Shakespeare? or De- definitely, definitely Bill Shakespeare. Definitely number one, for sure. Okay. So anyway, um, Bill Pullman. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the Bill Pullman. Hey, uh, your guy, Justin Rose, running away with the Masters right now, Gordon. Six under par. We're going to talk to Bob Casper uh, today coming up at uh, 4.30, right, Oz? Um, six under par through 16, so he's not even done yet. Um, let's see here. Going down the leaderboard, uh, Brian Harmon is at three under, tied with Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, and then a bunch of folks back at two. So six under right now is your lead at the Masters. Are you one of those guys who, if you could pick any golf course in the world to play, would you pick Augusta National? No. Which one would you pick? I don't know. Not that. St. Andrews, maybe. Pebble. Oh, you want to go old school, huh? Uh, Pebble. I don't know. Waikiki. Uh, Pinehurst. Why would you? I wouldn't play Pebble. I'd play Cypress Point before I'd play Pebble, I think. I've never That's even it. heard of it. 
Uh, Pinehurst number two, maybe? North Carolina Ooh, I guy. I like that idea. Yeah. Somebody said that was overrated. Why are you I'm, why are you crapping on my thing? Stop it. I'm not crapping, I'm not crapping on you. And I'm mine. just saying what yeah. someone else said. I've been to Pinehurst and walked around. It's it, it was it's kinda like a, a golfer's Disneyland there. Well, I wouldn't play Pebble, I'd play Nibbly Park. <laughs> Very exclusive. Now Cypress Point is one of those private clubs where, you know, they 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 don't let our kind in there. So You've played Riviera, haven't you, Gordon? I haven't played it. I've walked it, and uh, it's it's nice. Who'd you walk it with? I covered some events there. That's the story. Yeah, no, nothing really overly dramatic. I was invited. Wait, I'm thinking. Did I actually play it? I was invited to go there. If, if I did play it, the, the the memory didn't last. I thought you've told me about yeah, playing it. Yeah, I, maybe I did play it. I think I did play it, but uh, I must not have played very well because uh, it's not standing out in my mind right now. I think that, that the, the green that has the, the bunker in the middle of it, I think I caught that bunker of uh, bad memories. Anyway, beautiful golf course. That's the problem, you know. Some of these courses, everybody wants to play, but you go play it and absolutely tears your limbs off. Literally or figuratively? Well, okay, figuratively. I guess when people say literally, they don't mean literally. They mean really, really, really strongly figuratively. I think I'd play Trump Turnberry. <laughs> Or maybe the Trump golf links at Ferry Point. Doesn't isn't Mar-a-Lago pretty nice? How about how about Doral Trump National Doral Golf Club? What's the one in New York? Well, on Long Island there. That's a link style course. What was that? Sing uh, Sing Nine. Trump National Golf Club in Winchester, <laughs> New York. <laughs> oh come on, it's slipping my mind. It's crazy. Uh, how about is there. it is it Trump golf links at Ferry Point? <laughs> <laughs> Why do all of them sound like mini golf course, by the way? <laughs> he owns a lot of golf courses. I knew he owned Doral, and I knew he owned Turnberry, but I just Googled. He owns a ton of golf courses. He owns one in du two in Dubai. Does he really now? Well, owns. Well, maybe that's why he spent so much time flying. He's obviously Here passionate about it. Here we go. <laughs> Slippery slope. <laughs> You know the only uh, the President Obama played at the Bethesda. Air, no, he played at uh, the Air Force Base when he came to Utah. That was the golf course that he played really? at the, the one out at uh, at Hill. Which I hear because I haven't played it because I think you have to be a uh, either with somebody uh, that's correct, uh, a yeah. service uh, man or woman or anyway. I have not had the uh, the chance to play it. I hear it's great. I hear it's really nice. It's top notch. It is. It's wonderful. Yeah. There's one just outside base called Sun Hills. Not so wonderful. Not so much. Not the yeah. not the thing. You get you get some of the similar views, but not similar taken oh, care I see. of. Yeah. <laughs> not to disparage a potential client someday. Sam Amick joins the show coming up next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.